Welcome to uh, the latest episode of the Get Cyber Resilient Show. Um, I'm Dan McDermott and joined by my co-host, Garrett O'Hara. Yeah, it's certainly uh, the world has changed a lot since the last time we sat down and uh, recorded an episode. Only in a few short weeks, uh, normally we sit across the table from each other and have this conversation. Uh, today, we're both at home, uh, separate homes, obviously, um, and one in Melbourne, one in Sydney, um, using Zoom as our, uh, as our mechanism to, uh, to have this discussion and record the episode. It's crazy how much has changed in a short period of time. It's, it blows my mind to think that's the thing, I think about a, four weeks ago, how never would have seen this. Um, the severity of the restrictions and just how everyone has kind of adopted that work from home uh, attitude. Um, I think it's, it's good. I mean, if there's a positive to it, I think it's the, the spirit that I've seen on people that we talk to, like, you know, the other organizations that we work with, uh, internal conversations. I think everyone has certainly kept their chin up um, and there's lots of very interesting backgrounds that I'm seeing on zoom sessions, whether there's, people's living rooms and, and some of the weird stuff that people have at home um, and interesting stuff. And then some of the the funny backgrounds, one of our colleagues, Scott McKellar, who you know, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, came on one of our meetings uh, two days ago and his background in Zoom, he had changed to a supermarket aisle, fully stocked with Scott toilet papers. And so it was, yeah, just getting a lot of, a lot of laughs, even though it's uh, strange circumstances. No doubt in the impact is, is on everybody. I mean, they're, they're consuming everything in terms of our thoughts, uh, now news feeds, um, everything that's going on and daily, you know, people are adjusting to, to what's needing to happen and um, whether that's, you know, potential school closures, whether it's uh, obviously working from home, which many of us are now uh, are doing, um, the cancellation of events. It's certainly something that uh, is feels like uh, we're, we're getting somewhere with it but it's, uh, it's hard to know where, when the end is in sight at the moment it's at the end feels so far away right it's it's one of the things that has me unsettled personally is just the uncertainty of it all and um, not just what's happening today but to your point like what does this mean six months from now or a year five years from now um i think this is going to be a it's one of those seismic events that you know you and i have talked about before um normally that was cybersecurity stuff but actually this mm. is it's bigger than that um, it's inc- it's incredible. I've never obviously mm. never felt or experienced anything like it in my lifetime. No, no, certainly uh, not something that we ever foresaw. That's for sure. And it's, uh, it was interesting as you spoke about the different sort of Zoom uh, environments and meetings that people have. I think we had somebody in a dressing gown on a call the other day, so that was uh, <laughs> that, that was interesting as well. It's uh, it, it it's it is interesting how. Uh, yeah, we've had I've had people in suits on one. Um, I think they're like they're going to work. They're all dressed up, um, and uh, and others are still in their jammies. So it's uh, it's definitely everybody's responding uh, to this in, in different ways, and then trying to find their own way through it. That's for sure. I guess what we have also seen is 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 that there is an impact on on cybersecurity as part of it, though. Um, you know, I think we mentioned last time that you know that cyber criminals will use anything that they can to, to try to exploit people. Um, and it's been amazing, again, the rise in attacks that have happened uh, in, over this period of time. I think we're seeing, you know, a massive escalation in sort of phishing and smishing, fake domains, um, you know, everything from face mask sales to um, hand sanitizer, uh, you know, buying toilet rolls online, 
everything else is uh is sort of being used as a, as a way to sort of try to um i guess exploit uh people during this time how are you seeing sort of i guess the challenges from a cybersecurity front uh during this period um it scares me it's probably the first thing just given how much other stuff is going on that um people then also have to deal with the cybersecurity side of this um there was a really good post this morning on linkedin um somebody who i'm connected with um, the the sort of image that a, a company that post was um, you know no hacker or attacker has ever said not in scope and I think that's the, the horrible thing about what's happening at the moment is that you would think just purely from a, a moral perspective not that attackers really you know built that way but that something like this would just be that one time where they say actually you know what we'll leave this one alone and actually it's gone the completely opposite way. I'm talking to um, so Andrew Gosney, who runs our MSOC team here locally, and um, he's seeing just this, this huge spike in COVID and corona-related phishing attacks, as you said. Um, so seeing those, exactly what you said, the social engineering type stuff, it's a CDC release, it's a, an email from, you know, potentially something that looks like your company with a PDF on guidelines for how to deal with COVID or work from home guidelines or any of those other social engineering lures, um, just lots and lots of them out there. Um, and LinkedIn, LinkedIn for me has just lit up uh, with mm. people in our industry commenting on this, sharing uh, what they're seeing, sharing some of the domains that are out there and use, uh, being used for um, phishing attacks. Uh, so that kind of, you know, I think I was reading the Recorded Future produced a report and like hundreds of these domains being registered every single day. You know, COVID nineteen herbal cures for COVID nineteen, and and every combination mentioning uh, COVID nineteen. So um, yeah, I suppose it's just it's definitely a time to be super super cautious because I think the last thing we need on top of everything that people are dealing with is the ramifications of a either a personal breach on you know on a laptop as people work from home and don't necessarily have access to their IT people, which is another problem. Um, you know, you don't have the ability to just walk over to the desk and, and say, hey, this, this thing looks like it's locked up. Can you help? Like, what, what do we do in the situation um, where, you know, if there's self-isolation or if we get to the point where it's forced isolation and that's being policed as it is in other parts of the world, if somebody's laptop gets encrypted or something catastrophic happens through a breach, um, yeah, I mean, it, it completely changes the game. The, the playing field is completely different. Yeah, and and a lot of those those emails. I mean, we sort of say, you know, don't click on things, you know, be cautious and that. Um, but some of the examples that we're seeing uh, look very real. Um, mm. And at a time, you know, like you say, the notion of it feeling like it's from your own organisation, giving you tips and guidance on what to do, is something that feels very compelling at the moment. That is, you know, you are like. Yeah, I, I need to know this. I want to know what my organization's stance is, where we're coming from, what is our policies, how are we managing, you know, this, what is it going to look like working from home? Um, yeah, I think, you know, every person is, is very vulnerable to that at the moment because it is so top of mind and so evolving and changing that you do feel like you need to, if you get something like that, you feel like you need to keep up to date. Um, otherwise, you fall behind quickly in terms of the response and what is happening. So there's no doubting that um, I feel like that, unfortunately, you feel like something's going to be successful, right? Um, and that, you know, a breach and, and uh, will occur and, you know, and that, you know, the ramifications and how do people manage from that is going to have to kick into place. And like you say, and it's not 
you know, just the, the notion of how it would normally be done in the office either, um, how to do that from a remote perspective uh, is something that, I don't know, I feel like is, is feels inevitable, right? It feels like it's just going to happen. Mm. It's scary. I think about, you know, the stuff that was happening in Victoria and some of the hospitals there Mm. uh, last year. Um, And if you, you know, if you think about that happening now um, and the impact that that would have and and how that changes the stakes in terms of like what we've described as black whaling, you know, those kind of larger, um, larger organizations where it's not necessarily just plain old ransomware, but actually it's a hospital um, or some Mm. kind of medical facility in today's environment you know, it again changes the don't pay or, you know, don't negotiate with terrorists when it's probably an already overwhelmed health system that the last thing they need to deal with is, is that sort of stuff. Um, it's definitely, uh, it has me very, very scared personally. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like it's quite unsettling. Um, just the, mm. how, um, how vulnerable you all are. Um, definitely. So then, and I think that, you know, one of the other things that uh, we, sort of put an article up around at the start of the month is is around I guess the emotional toll of um of cyber resilience in general. And that was before this, right? Before mm-hmm. this time. But one of the things that I'd reflected on as as sort of doing the research and pulling that together is just it's it is unrelenting. You know, a lot of CISOs and cyber professionals are are trying to, you know, stop that attack, protect their organization. Um, and and it's tiring, right? It feels like, you know, that at some point, you know, in inverted commas, they're going to fail, that, uh, you know, something will get through and, you know, and there will be a breach and something will happen. Um, I think that how, you know, I guess cyber professionals can actually feel good in this environment, I think is a difficult thing as well. And um, and I don't know if you've got any sort of thoughts and tips on, you know, how do, how do we sort of prepare for this and how do we sort of, you know, allow for the notion that that you know sometimes you know things will get through but it's like it's also how we respond and what we do from there that will actually help to find the success and help actually you know stop the the rate of burnout that we're seeing with uh this constant pressure for uh for the perfect you know protection of your organization yeah which i mean we all kind of know unfortunately it doesn't exist yet and i think that maybe is part of the stress that uh, sees those, and I would say security leaders, people in our industry in general, probably feel some sense of um, the task is impossible. Like we, you know, everybody knows that, but the expectation is that you achieve the impossible somehow. You know, perfect <laughs> protection, no breaches. And um, one of the the lovely things I would say I've seen in our industry is the um, the spirit that's evolved over the last kind of four or five years, where um, we see this between vendors, where there's a spirit of collaboration and, and sort of working together. Um, but I also know that that exists within the CISO world where within a particular uh, vertical or industry, I know that the CISOs are generally well connected and will meet up for kind of dinners on a regular basis and have their WhatsApp groups. And um, I think that's what I kind of will go back to is the the idea that there's support there. There's people in the same situation. Um, it sounds cheesy, but like nobody's in it alone. And the challenges that any security leaders facing right now are broad and they're they're common with their colleagues, their peers in the industry. Um, and, and for me, like, I don't think there's a, a technical or a process solution to this stress. I feel like it has to come back to um, just fundamentally how people in general deal with stress, regardless of you know, whether it's a CISO or somebody in another very high pressure job. Um, uh, 
I, I think it's the, you know facing the reality of you have an impossible task and that is understood. Um, and you know, I suppose the ex- the expectation is that you know you do that to your best of your abilities, um, and then know that there's there's a bunch of people around um, in the industry who are experiencing the same thing. And I think uh, you know not to sound cheesy, but I think sharing that um, that stress online is not a bad thing. And um, you know, if you've got trusted peers and you're you're in LinkedIn groups or WhatsApp, I mean, I think it's okay to talk about that stuff these days. Yeah. It, um, okay. So I put up a post sharing my you know, I guess my sort of vulnerability and experience at the moment and just with things in the team and feeling quite sort of behind and, you know, under-resourced and overworked and all of those type of things. And um, um, just as a, I guess, a personal share as, as a link into the notion of sort of, of the burnout that other professionals are facing. Um, and the response was was quite amazing. Um, but unexpected, honestly. Uh, just, you know, heard from a lot of people um, near and far and, people I haven't heard from a long time as well um, and, at, you know, sort of um, reaching out and providing support as well. And it was, uh, yeah, it was quite humbling, definitely. And But it does show that there is a community spirit, I think. I think, you know, once upon a time, security was seen as, as nobody would talk to each other, that, you know, you, mm-hmm. it's, you can't share, you know, what's happening from a security perspective. I think that's all changed and so much and that... Um, that, like you say, that there's definitely this notion of a of a community that um, are there to support each other and has each other's backs, and it's not a it's not a competitive dog eat world at all. Let's say how we're all in this together, and and how do we do our best to to support each other? Because nobody wants to see anybody go through a breach and those difficult times, and that I don't think anybody you know feels good about about seeing you know a a colleague going through that, a peer going through that. So it's definitely uh, the case. And I think it's, it's, I think to me it also is around that notion of the impossible task. I think the narrative needs to change. It's, mm. It needs to start with actually what are we trying to do and what is a cyber resilient strategy really about? And, and a lot of it is we spend all our time talking about stopping everything, protecting, doing the impossible. Yet it's really about, the response right when something happens and it goes wrong how do we how are we prepared to respond to that um you know systems process for communication how do we ensure that we keep all stakeholders informed up to date uh and i think it's that response um is so critical and will actually end up defining the success of many cyber resilience programs right and i think the hopefully while being very stressful time help alleviate some of the stress because it's not the impossible that's trying to be achieved it's the management and the reality of the situation that is trying to be dealt with so i definitely think that a change in the way that cyber and security professionals need to talk to management to the broader organization to executives the board does need to you know change and, and have a a big holistic view and i think many sites are trying to do that um, but I think sometimes it's it's not necessarily heard or, or seen as the uh, the impossible is still expected. And, and to your uh, points there, Dan, I mean, I wonder is part of it why it's not heard or understood or not heard is because it's not really understood, you know, the importance of, of the CISO role, for example. And mm. um, I think you and I have probably both talked to CISOs who do things like report into finance teams rather than directly to, you know, the... the um, CEO, for example, um, and I think that 
that change and we should see that in my opinion kind of um expedite i think that change is going to start happening much more quickly with things like this current environment mm. where covid-19 is just so ubiquitous and um yeah to your to your point the outcomes based understanding of what a CISO role is would be so much more useful um, and stop some of that burnout. You know, as you look at them, I mean, that, that survey was quite shocking. The one from, um, from Nominet, the, um, mm. you know, the folks who look after the UK domain. Um, but, you know, the, the 88% reporting high levels of stress, but the link to physical and mental health issues then, um, and, and things like using alcohol to kind of get through the day. And I'm definitely partial to like a fairly regular Negroni, but, you know, so far I feel like a, <laughs> It's not become a, a crutch, um, but yeah, you, you know, not to take it too lightly, but um, like it's worrying, you know, that level of stress mm. in an industry. Um, I find that shocking. It's, it, you know, I almost feel like you could swap the word CISO out for like Eeyore doctor and, and would expect <laughs> similar kind of stats. You know, it actually seems like that, that kind of level and, and rate of stress. It's, it's quite shocking. It is. And, and I think you're right in terms of like that. Is it, is the role and the challenge understood, you know, by executive? Probably not. Um, and in how do cyber professionals take the lead on, on taking control of that narrative, changing that conversation, um, making it a, you know, a, putting it in the language that I do think that they understand, which is, is risk and risk mitigation and risk management, mm. um, I think is sort of the bridge in many ways that if we can start to use that and frame what, we're doing from a from a cyber protection or an awareness training or you know a remediation point of view or whatever you know from that that stance, but put that in the frame of risk mitigation, risk management, and I think then executives understand that world, understand that language, and can be a bridge to um, having a better view of what what the role is there to do and how it actually manages through a difficult time, whether that be just where we're at at the moment or be a breach itself as well. And do you, here's a question for you. Do you think with what's happening right now um, that the she'll be right attitude may start to change in Australian society? Because, I mean, I, I love it in a way. It's, it's lovely, it's relaxed. And then when things like this happen, it's, it's the part of me that goes, you know what, sometimes she won't be right. And I think there's nothing wrong with planning for that, um, you know, that eventuality and being realistic to your points around the risk risk to businesses with you know breaches with this kind of stuff that's happening at the moment is so significant and just it, it always seems so strange to me how i don't know it, it it is literally like she'll be right sometimes from senior management and and you know when we talk to cyber leaders trying to get budget for programs of works across lots of different areas the the value is just i think quite often not really understood and, and as you said, in terms of risk management, forget about the, you know, the, the bells and whistles and the, you know, the shiny brochures, but just purely from the perspective of managing risk for a business. It's just it's astonishing to me sometimes how people will skimp on that. It's like it's sort of a friend who years ago um, boasted to me about buying tires for his car and for a ridiculously low price. I think it was like 50 bucks a tire. And I'm thinking like, oh, like of all the things to save money on, is that really... Like, is that a smart choice, you know? And it's it's fine. The vast majority of the time you're driving a car, that makes no mm. difference. But then, you know, something you know, horrible is happening. You absolutely wish you will have spent more than $50 in the tires that you put in your car. 
look, I mean, I think I think at the top end of enterprises in Australia, there is a, a strong risk culture and a lot of things are put in place and, and they look at things in, a, I think, a more conservative view. But I think when you move beyond that throughout um, sort of the economy and society, um, she'll be right is a thing. There's no doubting that. Um, I think we've seen it with COVID-19. Uh, you know, our our response sometimes has been a bit slow in many ways and many people are, uh, she'll be right and just continue on and almost boasting that they can, you know, that they're, uh, they're bulletproof or immune from this. Um, I think we've seen that change very quickly though as well, right? I think, you know, just go to the supermarket and um, we see the, the, the change in attitude very quickly that uh, um, people aren't thinking that because the shelves are empty. So people are stocking up and um, and and trying to prepare now in in a, in a response sort of mechanism. So I definitely I've always thought that the greatest risk in this country to our cybersecurity is she'll be right. Yep. It actually is the number one uh, issue that I think we have, um, and it's and it's very hard to overcome because it's not uh, it's not a cyber thing. It's not a security no. thing. It, it is you know societal. So it is definitely uh, something that. I think this time might actually bring that to the fore to realise that planning ahead, being prepared and having that worst case scenario thought through and in the back pocket and understood is probably an important thing to do. Um, yeah, I think that could be could be a positive out of this uh, this whole situation. You've got to look for the positives. I think the other thing I will take from it is... Um, you see your comments there and the people almost being boastful about their behaviors during this time. And um, uh, like as you drive around, there's certainly some cafes that are still full of people. And, um, you know, there, there is sometimes a bit of a, uh, I'm going to do my thing anyway. And mm. I think one of the things that I've been heartened by is the bit where I actually see a lot of people understanding the importance of how dependent we all are on each other at the moment. Um, and you and I, like we're working, we're working from home. I'm pretty sure both of us would be, you know, not fine, but you know, we'd probably come out okay from getting um, yeah, coronavirus, and you know, would recover. Mm-hmm. But we're doing this not for us. We're doing this for mm-hmm. older people and for all the vulnerable uh, vulnerable people in society. And you know, if there's a, a tenuous analogy to the cybersecurity world, I think sometimes what we have to do is yes, protect ourselves, but also by protecting ourselves, we're protecting our vendors, our supply chain, our end users, mm. and and so much more than just the organization in and of itself. So, um, you know, hopefully this, oh, I don't know, hopefully there's some good lessons and, you know, some things that we take out of all of this at the end and um, you know, we all become a, we become a better country. Mm. Well, I think uh, I think on that very positive note and, and more altruistic view of uh, of what we can be, become and, and do and I guess improve upon, I think is a is probably a good way to uh, to end today's sort of conversation and sort of look forward to you know what positives we can take out of this. But really, I think most critically and importantly at the moment is is continuing for everybody to to stay safe, um, both in terms of the health risk itself, obviously, first and foremost, um, but certainly the cyber risk that this is presenting. Um, and, you know, and if you think she'll be right and, and haven't prepared, um, I guess take our our words of uh, uh, to heart, hopefully, and, uh, you know, I think everybody is responding quickly and reacting to that and then hopefully can get ahead of it um, before anything uh, more significant occurs as well. 
Edgar, thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. Hope everybody listening enjoyed uh, our conversation around uh, the current state of affairs uh, with COVID-19 um, and the implications that it's having on all of us and on the cyber world. With that, we'll, uh, we'll speak again soon.